the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. FM and AM 950. Central Florida's WTLN Orlando. The word where faith comes by hearing. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Uh, Once again, Alan Dempsey does our engineering superbly. And Andrew Herdliska produces the show for us faithfully. And Mary DeMuth joins us in the first segment. She's in Dallas author of The Seven Deadly Friendships. And uh, let's start, Mary, by welcoming you. How are you? I'm doing great. How's everything over there? Well, we're good. We're in good shape. Uh, we've uh, gotten through the election over here. So it's been a, been a pretty fiery couple of weeks. Uh, yes. the, the hurricanes have calmed down, and uh, we're doing well. The Seven de- Deadly Friendships, um, How to Heal... When Painful Relationships Eat Away at Your Joy. Uh, What's the background on this book? There's got to be one, right? There is. And what I was finding was as I walked through some difficult friendships and then ended up having some friendship breakups, I looked around to see if there was anything on the shelves for those of us who have gone through a friendship breakup. And there was a lot of, you know, like divorce recovery books, but there weren't any like friendship recovery books. And as I began researching, I also just felt prompted by the Lord to look at the seven deadly sins in light of these kinds of difficult relationships that many of us face, and that became the impetus for the book. Well, you open up with a chapter called Narcissist Nolan. Uh, you're going to have to explain that. <laughs> yes, so these, all of these deadly friendships, like I said, follow after the seven deadly sins found in Proverbs 6. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Narcissus Nolan, is, this happens to be the first one that um, relates to haughty eyes. So in that chapter about Narcissus Nolan, uh, he tends to be someone who cannot think about anybody else other than himself. And even if you come to him and, or hold, that could be Narcissus, Narcissa, <laughs> or um, you come to them and say, hey, you really hurt my feelings, they would still make it about them and about how bad you are. And so uh, this is a deadly friendship in that it can be very crazy-making, and usually you cannot figure out you're in the middle of it until it's much later and you're out of the relationship. And so one of the things I like to do in the book is just give people checklists of here's some typical traits of these types of folks, and they can kind of make up their decision for themselves. And it doesn't mean like, okay, if I have a narcissist Nolan in my life that I have to break up with them. It just means it gives you some wisdom about how can you – navigate that relationship better 
Now, let's move to another interesting character, Unreliable Yuma. <laughs> yes. There's not a lot of U uh, names, so I guess Arilla maybe, or, yeah. So, Unreliable Yuma it is. And this is your fair weather friend where you have been, you know, connected and, you know, gone to their bedside at a hospital and you've done, you know, all the things that, you know, good friends do. But then when you find yourself needy and needing them, they're suddenly not there. And this can happen once in a while just because of life. But if it's consistently happening, then you probably have an unreliable Uma in your life. And, um, again, just these checklists would give you that intel you need to know how to process that and maybe to have some really good positive conversations about, hey, I really feel like I'm there for you, but you're not there for me. Let's talk about our friendship. Is this something you want to keep doing? Um, and this is how it makes me feel. Uh, let me just interject here. Uh, you've got to really work at friendship, don't you? You know what? That's really true. And it's just like any relationship, it's, it takes work and um, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. I value my friendship so much, and I have been so enriched by some amazing friends. But every single one of those friendships has taken work. It takes listening. It takes forgiving. It takes apologizing. Um, and we don't talk about it much, and I think it's important that we do because really most of our relationships in life are on this level, this friendship level. So um, that's another reason why I wrote the book. I, I want to be a part of building the body of Christ and helping her to become everything she needs to be. So that was one of my motivations for writing it. Uh, topic three, Predator Page. Yeah, so if of all of these, um, she is the one, or Predator Pat, if it's a boy, um, they're the ones that you are most likely, you most likely have the chance of breaking up with because if they are predatory and they are harming you, then it's most likely not good to stay in that relationship. Um, and the predators are people that uh, only harm. They're like a wolf. And a lot of times what's hard with predators is that they are wolves in sheep's clothing, so they don't present themselves as predators. You wouldn't, like, see a predatory person, and if they presented themselves as a predator, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I really want to be their friend. <laughs> because they're so terrible. No, they present themselves as sheep. So um, you don't uncover the wolf-like part of them until you're in the relationship, and they're hard to get out of oftentimes. But we must be wary. Uh, now let's move to Conman Connor. Who's he? Yeah, so um, it's easy to say that Conman Connor is only a con man. So uh, this is someone who would con you out of, your money. And we actually had that experience. We were church planters in Southern France for a period of time. But before we left, we were trying to sell our house and we met someone through a prayer group, a global prayer group who ended up stealing our home, which is a very long story, but he was a con man and uh, we lost everything. We lost all of our credit, all of this while we were missionaries in France. And, and so he has some definite characteristics. Um, he will only befriend you for the sake of money. But I also, in the chapter, talked about um, how if there is an economic component to your relationship with someone, then that can also be a con man conner. For instance, if you've ever had someone on Facebook who you haven't seen for a really long time, and then suddenly after they friend you, they're asking you to join their product launch or 
buy their really cool candle or whatever it is that they want you to buy, then that's kind of an aspect of having a friendship based only on, I'll be your friend if you give me your money. The next topic for you to jump on is Tempter Trevor. So Tempter Trevor is someone who... um, he does not, he wants to violate your conscience. He wants to push your boundaries. He's not really wild about your relationship with Christ. He's not um, there for you to grow. He actually wants to undermine it. And so um, a lot of times it's, you know, we are, as Christians, we're supposed to be people that are different from us, of course, and we're supposed to be in evangelistic relationships. But if this is one of your closest friends who constantly tempts you to do something that you know is not right, then it's important to uh, unmask that and realize that he could be—he really could be no good for your walk with Christ. So you may need to create some boundaries around him. And then we get to Faker Fiona. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Faker Fiona is someone who thrives in uh, today's world because um, she— often creates personas for herself, and she is a chameleon, so she can blend into any crowd that she's in. So you may have a conversation with her, and she'll share a political view or a religious view with you that you both are on the same page, like, yes, 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 this is so true. But then you might see her post on Facebook or Twitter, and it'll be the opposite opinion of what you just uh, shared with her. And so she just blends into whichever situation she's in. She also is very into situational ethics. And uh, you never quite know who she is because she, she always adapts the personality of the person that she's around. So um, that's a difficult thing to, to discern sometimes. But um, it's, also, it's also important to note that when I wrote this book, I wasn't talking about, you know, oh, there, here's all these terrible seven deadly friendships out there. Um, outside of ourselves, um, at the end of every chapter, I ask the question, are you Faker Fiona? Are you Unreliable Uma? Are you Tempter Trevor? And it's helpful so the reader can go, yeah, you know what? In my relationships, I, have, I haven't been perfect. I haven't been following you know, the right ways to treat people, to love others well. And so it helps us in our own weakness to go, yeah, here's an area of an improvement that I need to make in my relational landscape. My guest, Mary DeMuth author of The Seven Deadly Friendships, Harvest House is the publisher. We've got more with Mary. Stay with us right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. You've almost opened up to someone so many times. You need to get it off your chest so you can get past this, but you just can't find the right person to talk to. It's hard to be completely honest about how you feel and what you've done. I know, I was there too. I was getting desperate. And then I found Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a team of licensed Christian counselors who share your faith and will help you through your problem. They want to give you a free week just so you can try them out. You can begin a conversation when you're ready by text or phone, even video conferencing from the comfort of your own home. And your first week is free. If it's not for you, you can cancel during your first week and not pay a dime. Why not give it a try? Go to tryfaithfulcounseling.com. 
talk to someone who can help, go right now to tryfaithfulcounseling.com. It's so easy to get started and your first week is free. Go to tryfaithfulcounseling.com. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandek, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Did you know that you and I are nothing more than beaten and battered water pots? But instead of setting us aside, God wants to fill us with the water of His Word. And do you know what happens when we begin to ladle it out? It turns to sweet-tasting wine. Would you like to know more about how you can be filled with this marvelous water? Then tune in to Through the Bible Radio with Dr. J. Vernon McGee weekdays on this station. Through the Bible, weekdays at 2.30 and 9.30 p.m. on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Mary DeMuth is our guest. We're talking about her new book called The Seven Deadly Friendships. Uh, Mary, we've arrived at uh, number seven. And this dude is called Dramatic Drake. Uh, What can we learn about Dramatic Drake? Well, um, what I've learned about Dramatic Drake is that I can be Dramatic Drake. (laughs) So that's one of the hard things. As I mentioned earlier, we can be some of these deadly friendships. And Dramatic Drake is someone who uh, infuses drama into anything or everything and kind of needs drama to thrive and be happy. And so um, they will take a benign situation and ramp it up and begin to – make it more, make a mountain out of a molehill, so to speak. And when, usually when you're around someone like that, when you walk away, you feel exhausted and you feel like you've been kind of pulled through the ringer because suddenly you've had to bear a lot of burdens that don't even really seem like burdens, but they are to dramatic Drake. And so, um, yeah. And again, again, I said, I, I can tend to be that way. That's something I'm really working on in my heart right now. And over the past several years is I've learned to talk myself down from drama so that I can go to Jesus first with that instead of rallying the troops and try to, you know, gather people to things. And um, that's just not fruitful. So I've been learning, hopefully humbly, to, to figure that out in my own life. So explain how that would work, Mary, when you went into a dramatic mold. I mean, you were uh, you were like an actress on Broadway. I mean, what, what, what did it look like? <laughs> No, it, it's not. It's not quite that stark. It's more like allowing situations to um, to elevate to a point of frenzy, instead of just stepping back and looking at them and saying, "Okay, I don't need to be so reactionary to this situation. I can talk myself down." And instead of gathering the troops around me um, about, you know, maybe a political situation or a religious situation or a church gossip situation, instead of feeding the frenzy of it to step back, to take a breath and to say, you know what, this is not being, this is not fruitful. And I want to be someone who's fruitful. So I'm going to step away from this. Uh, You move on in your book into part two, how to find health. And you do a whole chapter on Joseph. 
tell us about that. Yeah. So as I, you know, I wrote this book. I didn't want it to be a a, a, a downer book, like oh, here's these terrible people that <laughs> you don't want to be friends with. It was more of an instructive book to help us. Like I said before, is just to build the body of Christ. And so I thought, well, who are some really good examples of people who have been betrayed and hurt in relationship? And Joseph obviously came to mind because he definitely was, you know, talked about. He experienced every one of the seven deadly friendships. And so it was instructive to look at his life. Um, the next chapter, we look at the life of Jesus, which is important. But I wanted to look at the life of someone that was just a mere mortal, you know, who who had all of the things that happened to him, had these difficult relationships. I and mean, we see Potiphar's wife as a tempter Trevor, and, and we see, you know, all sorts of betrayal going on in, in all sorts of levels. And yet he was able to be fruitful in his life, and he was able to fulfill the calling and a passion that God called him to, and was able to save many lives. Um, he could have stayed really bitter and angry. He could have tried to enact vengeance, but he did not. And so he was just such a beautiful character to look at when we've been hurt in relational stress and trauma. And then you move to another chapter, simply called Jesus. Yes, so um, Jesus also encountered those seven deadly friendships, and he, uh, of course, just beautifully navigated those and gave us an example for us to follow of what do you do? I mean, he knew that Judas was going to betray him, and yet he still poured his life into him. He still loved, and that's such a high and beautiful calling, this calling of love toward our fellow believers. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't create boundaries around people that are harming us, um, because I think that that's also really helpful uh, to, to pre- preserve our own souls in the midst of it, especially if we're in, the rela- in a relationship with someone who's predatory. It's not wrong to say, I cannot be in a relationship with you right now. That's okay. Um, but looking at the life of Jesus, you can always see that underneath underpinning of love and compassion and forgiveness and all the things that we need to move on after relational heartache. And so I always love looking at the life of Jesus because it's so instructive. The scripture says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so he knew that what he was going to endure, especially the cross, was um, beyond that was the joy. And that's the hope that I have for this book is that we don't have to be sidelined by these difficult relationships. We can learn through them. We can grow through them. We can set the joy before us and endure what we need to endure, and we can move on, and we don't have to, um, you know, okay, I'm never going to go to church again because people at church hurt me. We can learn how to navigate a new way through, even if we've had um, pain and betrayal and um, hurt, because Jesus showed us how. He loves people well in the midst of a very, you know, normal, dark world that we all live in. Explain uh, the 10th and final chapter, the seven life-giving practices. Right. So um, I wanted to end the book on something super positive about, you know, you've heard about these deadly friendships. So now what are these? What are some practices that you can do that are practical and will help you not only in your relationships, but in your life? And the practices spell out um, 
the word revival. And so uh, I walk through each of those things. Um, one of them is to review your past. It's important that you look back and see how you have interacted with people in the past and what kind of lessons you've learned. I think it's really important that we mine our experience alongside Jesus. So was, as we look back, we think, okay, what is Jesus trying to teach me after some of the things that I've gone through with this particular friend? Or what can I learn from that, you know, desperate interaction that I had or that terrible friendship breakup? And reviewing it and learning, you know, what, what you have, you know, what, what you've learned from there has been really helpful for me. What do you want people to take from this book and this discussion, Mary? I want them to, uh, again, I guess I want them to be set free. I want to see people free to love, free to forgive, free to be, um, to let go of bitterness, free to discern uh, what God is up to, what he's doing, and, and that we don't have to, we don't have to be held hostage by our negative relationships. I believe that God has called us to heal, and um, a lot of times it's a frustrating thing that he asks us to do because we've been injured in negative community, and yet God calls us to be healed in good, safe, positive, God-fearing community. And that can be hard because when we've been injured so much, we put a wall around our heart and we make all sorts of vows like, I am never going to trust somebody again because they have hurt me. And yet the way toward freedom and the way toward healing is to trust someone who's, who tends to be trustworthy and to enter back into a life-giving relationship. And so that's really my heart for this book is that people would heal. They would discern what's going on. They would learn to create, create good boundaries when necessary, but they'd also learn the art of talking face-to-face with people, not on social media, not through text, not necessarily on the phone, but just Let's talk through some of our differences, some of our problems, and instead of ghosting each other and, you know, never talking to someone again, to really talk face-to-face with folks. Mary, uh, to listeners who might be thinking, you know, there's a person or two in my life that are dragging me down. Uh, They're not best for me, and I I really need to break off uh, this relationship. Uh, how do we go about that? One of the things that has really helped me is to consult with someone who's not necessarily connected to that friendship. Um, my friend Jim Rubart talks about how we are like a bottle of salad dressing, and we are within that bottle, and we cannot read our own ingredients. We need someone outside ourselves to read those ingredients. And in friendships that are, you know, friendship that's in, on the rocks, I found it really helpful to talk to someone, again, outside of the friendship, so it's not gossip, but just say, hey, I need some wisdom here. This is what's going on in the friendship. What should I do next? What do you see? Am I being crazy? Um, is this something that you see as well? And having that uh, little circle of discrete community outside of that relationship has been what has helped me to gain perspective on what to do next. Otherwise, I'm a little bit more in my head, and I don't really know exactly how to proceed. Walt Disney, years ago, Mary, uh, told us or, or said that there are three kind of people in this world. One, uh, well poisoners, constantly pulling you down, negative, uh, dragging you down, don't want to see you succeed. They resent you having any success. Uh, secondly, lawnmowers, good people, 
cut their grass, fly the flag, vote, go to the PTA meetings. He said, we got a whole country filled with them. Good, solid people. And then Walt said there's a third kind of person, and he, he called them life enhancers, uh, people who are building you up and want you to succeed and rooting for you and cheering for you and doing everything they can to encourage you to live to your full potential. And Walt's uh, statement was, those are the people you want to spend your time with, those life enhancers. Uh, What do you think of Walt's little deal there? I think Walt read my book. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. couldn't have. (laughs) No, but you're right. Like, I think uh, he's right. Um, We get, we also, I think we forget that we get to have some choice in the matter, that we can, you know, we can choose to discern who is pulling us down constantly and um, who is bringing life to us. And then I think there's also a poignant question that is in the midst of his statement. It's, it's what am I and who am I to other people? Am I someone who's draining other people? Am I someone who's just status quo and doesn't add anything or subtract anything? Or am I someone who brings life to relationships? If I died today, would my friends and family members uh, wax sadly about my demise because they would miss my presence. And that's been the thing that I've been thinking about most of my life is what kind of value have, have I added to the kingdom of God and to people? Um, it's just important to me to know that I've been doing that. How do you think you've been doing? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, my dog just took my husband's shoe and ran away. So I, I'm obviously not a good dog owner, but um, sorry crazy life here. Um, Yeah, I think I'm doing well. I I think, you know, every year gets a little bit better and I'm getting better at loving people and listening. I think that's a lost art that we have these days is how to to listen to others and really dignify their stories. I feel like I'm doing better at empathy as well. Um, So yeah, I think I'm doing better. Mary, do you like to hear from your readers? I do love to hear from my readers, and that's been one of the greatest blessings of my writing career is to hear from them that there's been something I've written that maybe has enhanced their life somehow. It's been a blessing to have that happen. So how do people reach you? They can go to, um, first place they can go to 7 com, and they can take a quiz to find out if they're in one of these relationships. And uh, so that's kind of fun. And then to find me online is marydenise.com. And I also pray for people every day on the Pray Every Day show, and that uh, URL is prayeveryday.show. Um, tell me about your family, Mary, as you've been talking here. Give us a little footnote on them. Yeah, so I have three adult children, um, one uh, girl, boy, girl, 25, 22, and 20. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Two of them have jobs. The third one's in college, so I feel like we have uh, we've almost you know finished our race. Although I know you're never finished as a parent. And then I have a husband who we have been married almost 28 years. And as you mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, we live in the Dallas, Texas area, and um, it's been it's been great to be a part of a really good church. And uh, I've had the privilege of just um, just got back from Switzerland where I taught, taught a writers intensive to about 13 international writers, which was really great, too. Mary DeMuth has been our guest, author of The Seven Deadly Friendships. Uh, We've got more right after this uh, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, This is 94.9 FM, 
and AM 950 The Word in Orlando. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word. resides, a founder and president of Danette Crawford Ministries, a host of Hope for Today with Danette Crawford, and her book is called Limitless Thinking, Limitless Living. Welcome, Danette. Hope you're well. How you doing? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Give me the background on this book. You know, the Lord began to speak to me, and uh, I would be in my prayer time, and I've had goals in my life, and the Lord said, Danette, you're thinking too small. You're thinking too small. And then after he said it a couple times to me, I was at a big event, a big um, conference event, and the speaker called me off the front row and said, you right there, you blonde lady, the Lord is saying to you that you're thinking too small. He wants to enlarge your thinking. Mm. And I thought, you know, Lord, you're really trying to get this point across to me. So I began to spend time with the Lord and the the book, Limitless Thinking, Limitless Living, was birthed out of that. Very interesting. Well, let's plow in. Let's, let's uh, start working here. The introduction is called Get Ready for the Crossover. What does that mean? Well, you know, most of us really need to be set free to think big. And a key, the number one key to limitless living is our thinking, limitless thinking sets the stage for limitless living. And God wants us to cross over into the place of, of abundance, but not just abundance. When we say abundance, we think of finances, and yes, it's that too. He wants us to cross over and take the land. When the children of Israel were coming out of the bondages of Egypt, they had to think big to even take the first step to rise up to get out of that place of bondage, to cross over to the promised land, to the things of God. So they had to think big before they could cross over to limitless living. And then it's the process in between of thinking big, taking the first step to cross over to the promised land it's the season in between there of the crossover we need to get ready we need to be prepared and we need to be determined to go all the way now let's dive in part one prepare to cross over getting ready commanded to take the land think big ask and expect big faith and favor to ask big all of that under this heading of prepare to cross over I want you to run with that, Danette. You know, we have to, the first thing I say is you have to get yourself ready. I'm a mom, and I've been a single mom for many years. And, you know, the bottom line is, as a mom, we tend to get everybody else ready uh, to get out of the door in the morning. My daughter's grown now, but when she was little, I would get her all ready before I would even try to get myself ready. And God began to speak to me out of a scripture that says, get yourself ready. You've got to get yourself ready to cross over. So we have to get ourselves ready physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially to cross over, to come into all of the promises of God for our life. I believe that many people listening, that they have promises that they have not yet seen 
fulfilled in their life. And they need to focus on themselves. So many times we're, we're caught up in all of the crises that are happening around us, or we're trying to get this one to live right or this one to do that. God says we need to spend time in his presence, getting ourselves ready and prepared to cross over to the new level, to the new season, to the new day, and to the new place that God has for us. And that brings us to part two, overcome perceived limitations like I'm not qualified. Oh, yeah. My resources aren't sufficient. I'm all alone in this. I'm not anointed. Absolutely. Well, and believe me, there's so much more that I'd like to talk about about part one, but we could come back to that if you'd like. Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah. But so overcoming perceived limitations. I, I put something, a section in my first book that I ever wrote. My first book was called Don't Quit in the Pit. And I called it um, perception deception with rejection. There's actually perceived rejection. There's actual rejection. And then there's perceived rejection where the enemy tries to bring, to deceive us into thinking that people are rejecting us. So this part two is called overcoming perceived limitation. We put so many limits on ourselves and on the Lord. And the whole basis of this book is thinking big, asking big, expecting big, and then receiving big. And so many times the reason that we don't even ask big or think big is because of perceived limitations. We feel like that we're not qualified. You know, we believe that God can do it and wants to do it through everybody else but us. We, we think, okay, well, we don't have enough resources. Well, you know... Never in the Bible did God do big things with big things. God always did big things with small resources. He always used the person that was the least likely. He fed the multitudes with a little few, few fish and a few loaves. So when, you, when we say, well, we don't have enough resources, that's, that's a lame excuse. I'm sorry. We have to overcome those perceived limitations. You know what? We can also feel like we're all alone or we're not anointed God anoints who he wants to anoint, and God gives who he wants to give. And the most successful people in life are those that are hardworking and available for God's use. They're not the most gifted. They're not the most talented. They are the most determined people, people that are determined that they're going to go all the way into everything that God has for them. We've now arrived... At part three, overcome self-imposed limitations, and that includes lack of commitment, distractions, a defeatist mindset, ungodly living, unwholesome speech, following the crowd, impatience. Oh, my goodness, Danette, there's a, there's a mouthful there, isn't there? Yes, you know, I always say that many are called fewer committed. And so mm. we can uh, limit ourselves by not going all the way to being committed to cross the finish line. It's very exciting to get a a word from the Lord or to have a vision in our heart and our spirit, and then we start to step out to fulfill that vision. But what happens is we must go all the way. We have to stay committed. So if we're we're not going to, you know, it's it's easy to start out on a race, but it's how we finish that really counts the most. And then one of the, the greatest ways that we what we fall is through distraction. We have to be fine-tuned in our focus. Successful people are very fine-tuned in their focus. 
We, we have to be distraction-proof. You know, distractions come in in many different things. The enemy will try to throw uh, sickness or pain, a pain here or something happening with your spouse or your children or all of these things to distract us. And I always say that we have to be distraction-proof and fine-tune in our focus. We start out every day in the place of prayer with the Lord. You know, I have 23 compassion outreaches in the inner city, in the communities, here in Hampton Roads, Virginia, also in the Bronx, New York. I have a Hope Center, Chicago, and in Compton, the south side of L.A. And all of these programs that I've had, I've had to be determined that I was not going to be distracted from doing what God had told me to do when I, when I set out to do what God has said. So we have to overcome distractions. And I talk about a defeatist mindset. So the whole theme of the book, Limitless Thinking, Limitless Living, is starts with our mindset. So many times what happens is the Bible says in the scripture, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We have to be set free to think big. God wants to enlarge our mindset. He doesn't want us to have our, our mindset where we're in a little box and we put our great big God in a little box. So we have to remove the defeatist mindset, the small mindset, and we have to believe big. Also, our words, our words, our unwholesome speech, what comes out of our mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your heart is the wellspring of life or the wellspring of death. What happens is when things don't happen the way that we would hope that they would happen in the timing that we would hope, what happens is we can begin to speak doubt and unbelief, and we can lose our faith and just begin to waver. We get impatient when we need to wait on the timing of the Lord, because timing really is everything. My guest is Danette Joy Crawford, author of Limitless Thinking, uh, Limitless Living. Uh, part four of your book, Discover True Limitless Living, Components of Consecrated Living and Love Without Limit and the Holy Spirit, Cornerstone of Limitless Living, Lead Others into the Land. Uh, I want to hear all about this, Danette. You know, we need to live a life that's separated and consecrated to the Lord and in the things of God. That's true limitless living. Holiness never goes out of style. We can't have sin and mixture in our life. Limitless thinking and limitless living all starts with the right relationship with the Lord. And when we have that right relationship, we can love like God loves. And we need to love without limits. And when we love without limits, we will reach out to the one that's down and out. We get our eyes off of ourselves. We keep our, our eyes on the Lord and our heart on the needs of God's people. And the Holy Spirit is the one. He's the cornerstone to limitless living. We're the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life where we realize, you know, it's not our might and it's not our power, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I always say, don't make choices and decisions according to finances make choices and decisions according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will lead you into to the place of limitless living, his ordained place for you. And then we need to lead others. It's not about us. It's about helping other people come into their full potential. You know, I have a training school. It's called the School of Esther's. 
where I train women called to ministry. And I love bringing other people into their full potential, into the call of God in their life, being uh, set free from their limitations that they put on themselves, and to see them step out in the call and the gifts on their life. That's really limitless living. And when God uses us, number one, to win souls, to lead somebody to him, but then also to help people cross over into the promised land, into limitless living in their lives. Uh, The conclusion of your book is called Once You've Crossed Over. Uh, What does that mean? Once you've crossed over to all of the promises of God. You know, Esther, Esther was called to go to the palace, and so was Vashti. Vashti lost her position. She had already crossed over. She was in her promised land, but she lost her place. Why? Because she no longer had the standard of the king. When the king called, Vashti did not come. She did not answer. We don't know why, but that's not the point. The point isn't why she didn't answer when the king called. The point was she did not answer, and she lost her place. So even when we cross over, we have to keep living right. We have to keep answering when the king calls and keep staying in that place of abundance, thinking big, asking big, expecting big, and receiving big. Jeanette Crawford is our guest. (coughs) By the way, Jeanette, Uh, What did your years at Regent University mean to you? Well, I went to Regent to get my master's. I did my undergrad work at Lee University. I got my bachelor's there in Bible and in uh, psychology, have my master's degree in counseling for Regent University. The number one thing that God did in me was healing me and setting me free so that I could be free to do the call of God on my life. If I did not get the healing, that I needed, I, I wouldn't be here today. And then also, God uses me and has blessed me with the opportunity to bring healing and deliverance in the lives of so many people through books and through television and uh, outreach programs. So it really set me up to fulfill the call of God on my life, my years at Regent University. Uh, Danette Crawford is our guest. We've got another segment with Danette, who's the founder and president of Danette Crawford Ministries. And uh, the author of the book, Limitless Thinking, Limitless Living. And uh, when we come back, Danette, I want you to explain a statement that you have written about. Here's, Here's your quote. There's a life of limitless power and potential just waiting to be unleashed within you if you'll only learn to think the way God asks us to. So when we come back from the break, uh, you dive right into that statement of yours. Uh, By the way, you're listening to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word. listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Uh, Danette Crawford is with us, and Danette, as advertised, uh, I want you to expand on that statement that you wrote. Yes. You know what? God wants us to think big, expect big, ask big. When we think big, we'll ask big. But if we're not even thinking big, 
we're not going to ask big. It's biblical for us to ask God to do big things. You know, I love the story of Jabez. Jabez was born in pain, but he dared to ask God to use him big. He said, Lord, I, I wish that you would enlarge my territory. Let the hand of the Lord be upon me and keep me from evil. And because he cried out to God, the word says that God answered him. You know, the first sentence in that passage, the first bit of that scripture, said that, that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. It's honorable for us to ask God to use us big for kingdom purposes, not for our own glory, not to be seen by man, but for us to have a heart to do great things for God, even in the midst of pain and, and things that we go through in our life. God wants us to continue to think big, ask big, expect big, and receive big. Uh, Danette, tell us about your television program, Hope for Today. My program, Hope for Today, we are on 10 different networks nationwide, including ABC, CBS, uh, TCT, TBN, NRB, CTN, World Harvest. And, uh, you know, the way, just like with radio, the way into the hearts and the homes of millions of hurting people is through media. So tune in, Google, find, you can go to my website at Danette Crawford, that's D-A-N-E-T-T-E, Crawford, C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D, DanetteCrawford.com, and find the complete listing. And I want to also hear more about your ministry, uh, Joy Ministries. Tell us more about it. The heart of Danette Crawford Ministry is uh, media and also community outreach. The community outreach arm of Danette Crawford Ministries is Joy Ministries Evangelistic Association, where we have 23 different community compassion programs, and they fall under uh, several different main categories. One of them is educational outreaches for at-risk youth. Another one is um, mentoring programs for at-risk youth. So we have we have inner city adopted neighborhoods, 10 in Hampton Roads area of Virginia. We also have the Bronx in New York. Uh, we have Compton, California, and the south side of Chicago. And our educational outreaches include Lighthouse Learning Centers, which are after school, private tutoring and homework assistance programs that are throughout the school year, and then in the summer, we do our summer reading camp. You know, you teach a child to read, it really is a ticket out of poverty. Then our mentoring programs. We get these inner-city children the summer before they're going to kindergarten. So we get them at the age of five. That starts our kids' club. Our kids' club is a children's mentoring program where we pour the Word of God into them because our kids are not getting the Word. And we teach them the Word and Christian character. goes all the way up, and when, they, when they're around 10 or 11, they transition into what we call our guy time and girl time mentoring. It's middle school and high school. Our children need to talk. They have so many things that they're facing, uh, that they're dealing with at school and at home. We talk about topics. Most of our kids have 85% of our children in some of our neighborhoods have been approached that people have tried to sex traffic them. 
Most of them, 95% of them, are being raised by single moms. And many, many, many of them, their lives have been spared from suicide as a result of our programs. So we're very blessed to go in, not only for the children, also programs for the poor, for the fatherless, and for single moms. Danette, you must have a big staff of volunteers, I would think. How do you get all that done? We have 30 paid staff, uh, and then we have over 200 volunteers. So we have a whole army. I've learned that most people really do want to make a difference in the lives of other people. Sometimes they just don't know how to go about it. So we give them opportunities. We train our volunteers. We train and mentor our staff and uh, teach them how to go out and make a difference in the lives of, of the people. We're never about a handout. We're all about a hand up. And the foundation of that hand up is always leading them to Jesus. Souls is always our number one goal. Danette, I'm curious about your background. Where did you grow up and what was your life like as a little girl? And uh, what, what, uh, what were those early years like? Well, I grew up on a farm in Maryland and I was just back in my hometown preaching this past weekend. And literally I, I grew up on a farm and my parents took me to a Methodist church a couple times a year and they would drop me off for Sunday school. And I said I was never going to go to the Holy Roller Church. Mm. Never say never. At the age of 17, I believed in God, but I never had a personal relationship with Him. And at the age of 17, I went into that church. I still thought that they were strange, but I knew that they had something that I needed, and that was a personal relationship with Jesus. So it all changed for me at the age of 17. And then where did you go from there? You went to Lee University, you went to college, right? Well, I didn't even know that there was such thing as a Christian college, so I started out at the University of Maryland, and I was disgusted with how the students were living and my roommates were living, and so I was telling my pastor, and he told me that there is such thing as a Christian college. So then I transferred my junior year, went to Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and then later came here to Virginia Beach to get my master's. And did that make the, all the difference in the world? Oh, yeah. It it was such a help being uh, around other believers and teenagers. I actually started my training for ministry with the, it was called back in the day, the Pioneers for Christ, where I preached my first message Mm. at Lee University. Tell us about your daughter. My daughter, Destiny, Destiny Joy, she just turned 20 years old. I've been a single mom uh, since she was two weeks old. Really? And long story short, I married a man in the church. He left me. He announced to me that he, five days before I delivered my daughter, he told me that he was leaving. And he left. And uh, at the when she was four, he died. And I've been a single mom raising my daughter all of these years. And I would still want to encourage the single mom. He really is a father to the fatherless. And there's a scripture that says, your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. And God has been an amazing provider and strength for my daughter and I. She is actually at Regent University working towards her master's degree in education. And she is one of our lead teachers in the inner city outreach ministries because she's grown up in it. And she has seen how her teaching a child to read was changing their life. Isn't that a great story? Um, there's a world of single moms out there. Uh, what do you say to encourage them? I would say this. You need to seek God and fulfill the call of God on your life. 
When my husband left, the Lord said, Danette, the call of God on your life has not changed. Yes, I had more challenges, but I had to get my eyes off of myself, keep my eyes on the Lord and my heart on the needs of God's people. There were many times when I wanted to sit down and have a pity party, but God said, get up out of your mess and keep doing what you're called to do. And I can tell you now, 20 years later, I'm so blessed and I'm so glad that I kept on keeping on. And there's nothing more satisfying than doing the will of God, the call of God on your life and being in God's will for your life. Danette, you've got a full platter, but, but what lies ahead? Do you have any uh, projects that are uh, re- really burning within you? Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm so excited about this, my new book, Limitless Thinking, Limitless Living. We're seeing people set free across the nation. People are doing it in Bible studies. My books are in prison. prisons. I'm getting ready to go into a prison uh, in a couple days here. We just had a guy who was arrested and jailed for sex trafficking women in our nation. He's an American citizen, and these were American girls. He got saved in prison reading my book, Don't Quit in the Pit, my testimony book. Wow. He wrote in, he's leading a Bible study in his prison with my book, and now they all sit around on Sunday morning and watch my program, Hope for Today. So they don't know what I'm about to surprise them and show up and uh, giving out my book, Limitless Thinking, Limitless Living. Make sure you get a copy. It's available everywhere books are sold, include Barnes & Noble, um, our website, DanetteCrawford.com, and, and your local Christian bookstore, also Books A Million ev- on Amazon, everywhere books are sold. Danette Crawford has been our guest. we got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Mary DeMuth was our guest in the first segment, talking about her book, The Seven Deadly Friendships. And then Danette Joy Crawford from Virginia Beach uh, talked about her book, Limitless Thinking, Limitless Living. Uh, Please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. And why don't you check out uh, my most recent book, it's called Coach Wooden's Forgotten Teams. Make a great, great Christmas gift. And it's about Coach Wooden and his summer camps and all that we learned about this remarkable coach uh, working with thousands of youngsters over the years and how he went about teaching them. Uh, we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. And remember, folks, faith comes by hearing. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.